0: Hello, welcome to the LifeBridge podcast. We exist to practice the way of Jesus, participating in God's kingdom coming in Dover as it is in heaven. My name is Tyler Saldana and I'm the pastor of our church community. We are so grateful that you're checking out our church's podcast. We pray that the Spirit uses this podcast to encourage you in your following of Jesus. be with you guys uh, as I'm just up oh yeah kiddos run um, there's 31 of these why 31 and not 30 I don't know uh, but spread them out around households and individuals we're going to be looking at that today um, and so we'll, we'll just have those go around you may have to share some amongst households but um, we will be in first Peter this morning um I, and before i begin i i did want to say just a note i know it's a little like um new guy rolls in and his whole family's wearing a mask in a unmasked area largely uh, i just want to say so for our own personal preferences we're, we're just still masking up a little we're, we are fully vaxxed but we have a baby and we just want to be careful we don't know what's you know vulnerable immune system so we just want to be cautious and uh and then our other daughter lives in LA and she gets tested. And uh, yeah, California is a little stricter. So we just wanna, we don't want her to get in quarantine when she goes back home tomorrow, unfortunately, right? You're going home tomorrow still? Dang it. Okay. (laughs) So we are being mindful of our girls, just so you know, but I will try and be more expressive. This introvert who is pretty straight face, I'll try and take from Jay and just like use my eyebrows more and uh, you'll see Yeah, I'll be a little more expressive. So, um, well, it's great to be with you all. When I began applying to churches back in April, towards the end of April, um, it was within a few weeks that I got in contact with Matt Hampshire. And while the church I was interviewing for at that time, um, we did, I think we did like an hour. And um, at the very end, Matt told me, well, the job's pretty much taken. And uh, I was bummed uh, because I really liked Matt, and I really liked the network, and it's okay (laughs) not to put you on blast, Matt. Um, But we still wanted to talk about um, potential future work together, and I I was really intrigued. Um, And so in the coming weeks, I continued to bug Matt probably weekly with an email, probably too much. Um, But it, it eventually opened up this opportunity to start talking with the search committee here. And, uh, that's how we came in contact. And then as I began interviewing for other positions, I, our family, we started writing on post-it notes, the church, the location and the role of, uh, churches that I was actually interviewing with and put them on the fridge so we could be praying for throughout the day and week. And then every Sabbath we'd pray together, uh, as a family, uh, as our concluding the Sabbath together on a, well, we Sabbath on Sunday nights back in. W, but we 'll see we 'll see now TBD, but regardless, we would ask for god 's will to happen, for clarity for both parties, and for him to call the woman or man of God that he desired to lead the said church that we were interviewing for and uh, while I was interviewing in places more similar to the areas i 'm from on the west coast, believe it or not, I, yeah obviously I, I probably stick out a little here, um, and you 'll learn more about that this hybrid Previous, previously Prius-driving vegetarian-type um, guy. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian anymore, but that's a different thing. But still, uh, you'll, con- you'll continue to learn ways that I probably stick out from Tuscarawas County. I've, ter- I've heard you just say it fast, and no one can really say it correctly, right? Uh, Tuscarawas. Um, so anyways... Um, while we were interviewing for places like that, I continued to tell my wife, uh, I know this may be weird, but I, I think I like Ohio the most. And I won't say her reaction, but I think she was a little like, really? Um, <laughs> uh, coming from California and then being in Seattle for six years, and, and yeah. So, um, and I'm not, not to offend you, again, it's just, I'm obviously different. Um, and it's okay. I think that's okay, though. I think that's a beautiful picture of the church. Perhaps we're too divided uh, and spread out among our land. But one by one, the post notes began to be peeled off our refrigerator as God either shut doors or we just didn't feel good about an opportunity. And even though as we're packing up our condo at the end of July and early August, we still had three or four on the fridge, I think at that point, Uh, I kept one Because I was pretty certain, and we left the PNW, we we moved our daughter down to California, and then we came out here for the final interview. But I kept one post-it note, and uh, I put it at the front of my Bible to be praying for it, and it was you guys, Um, and here we are. So I want to thank you guys for voting to call me as the next pastor of LifeBridge. I'm really, really eager, really excited to be here, and. yeah, it's it's a joy, it's a privilege, it's overwhelming, it's, it's everything. So all the emotions in a blender. But God has brought our family on quite a journey to get to this point. Uh, even just in the last few months, I think we did 30-some days in a hotel, 15 hotels, uh, 11 states, Aaron, 11 or 12 states. Uh, and, and then we stayed with family for three or four weeks. It, it's just been, it's been a lot. It's grateful to get into our home um, and, and get on our own mattress and, uh, yeah especially me, who doesn't like staying anywhere but my bed, so I'm grateful to be here, but no, um, I do want to thank, before I begin, my three girls. Uh, Thank you for just all the love, support, and grace that you've extended to me over the years as I've tried to listen to, obey, and pursue God's call in my life to be a minister of the gospel. Uh, You've experienced my faith and frustrations, my joy and my shame, usually the latter more. uh, But here we are as a family, and you've been the people who've demonstrated the love of Jesus to me most. So for that and so much more, I'm grateful to you and to God for the gift that each of you is to me. I'm really the man I am today uh, and will continue to be the man I am tomorrow, largely because of the way the Holy Spirit's used you in my life and shaped our family together over the past few years. So thank you. And uh, I think we should clap for them because... I wouldn't be here without them, so, all right, so this morning we're looking at the first letter of St. Peter. I'm going to give you some context for the letter, then we'll actually read the letter in its entirety. Have we ever done this with an epistle? Have we ever, like, as a church, read the whole thing together? We're going to do that today, because back in the day, that's how this was done. Uh, We're not going to do that, obviously, with every book, because some books would take a couple hours um but with smaller letters when we can i think it's valuable for us to hear it the way it was originally intended to be heard so i'm actually not going to say a lot today uh, aside from i'm going to let the scriptures speak for themselves but i did want to give you guys i'm using the nrsv and i just find it more helpful if we're using the same translation so i'm that's why i printed those out for you not it's not that i'm doubting that you don't bring your bibles by the way bring your bibles bring your Bibles to church, um, but here we go, so, the NRSV, yeah, the New Revised Standard Version, um, the Catholic Version on the Bible app is the same thing, it just has the, the um, Septuagint, so, yeah, um, then, what, yeah, we're going to read it in, in its entirety, and then I'm going to close with a few remarks, as well as a roadmark, a roadmap of where we're going the next few weeks, so, first off, who's Peter? Originally, his name is Simon Bar-Jonah. Interesting name. Uh, He's nicknamed Rock by Jesus. Jesus thought he was cool enough to give him a nickname. That's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. And it's called The Rock. So he's the original Rock, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Peter is The Rock, a.k.a. Cephas, or in Greek it's Petros, which is where we get the name Peter. He's a fisherman from a city called Bethsaida, which literally means, uh, I think it's a, a town of fishermen a town of hunting, a town of fishing, but we know it's fishing. So he's called by Jesus to follow him as one of his 12, but also within Jesus' 12, he's one of the core three with Jesus. So he's even on Jesus' inner circle, which is um, pretty good with the, with the brothers James and John. And if we've watched, have we seen the show The Chosen so far, some of us? Yeah, it's, it's been really shed, filling in some color. Um, I know some of it's not, I, you know, they take some fictional liberties but, and storytelling liberties, but it's been pretty cool. And I don't know about you, but as I read this and see Peter now in the scriptures, I, I only see that actor and I only see that Jesus now, which is pretty funny. Um, but anyways, he's an apostle and a leader of the early church in Jerusalem. When was this written? Likely the end of the 50s or early 60s uh, and not 19. We're talking AD or ACE, whatever you use. Uh, but basically it's approaching Nero's persecution. And for one familiar with Nero, he's, he's a Roman emperor that's about to bring wreck havoc on, um, in particular, the rise of the early church in the first century. Uh, and so the church is about to experience, or they may even be in the midst of experience, experiencing, not just cultural outcasts, probably more like what we might say we are today, uh, in particular, where I'm from on the coast. Um, but I'd say even more so, they're, they're getting killed, they're getting imprisoned, they're, they're getting cast out, uh, their livelihood is gone, their families are being broken up, that type of, a little more think what's going on in the Middle East right now type of feel. So while we may have strands that we can sort of relate to, we, we are different, we are experiencing different things than what they are. But this is why we can understand, he uses the word Babylon in here, he refers to Babylon, it's just kind of a a knock on the Roman Empire, meaning it's this empire that is obviously in opposition to the kingdom of God. And so we're going we're to see Babylon being used in here. Uh, who is Peter writing to? He's writing to the church in the western, northern, and central Asia Minor, which is it's, it's modern-day Turkey. It's right around the sea over there. And the audience, we really don't know. It could be both Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians or a mix. We really don't know. Uh, there's reason to suggest all the theories, and so we're just going to work with all of them, but understanding who it's written to, it'd be like if we only had the audio of one phone call, and we had no idea on the other end, or if you're reading an iMessage, and you only have, like, someone's gray bubbles, but you don't have their blue bubbles, and you're trying to fill in the blanks, and you're like, you don't even know who they're sending to. We don't know, but it's helpful to try and understand this stuff so we can put together the conversation more, understand the context, take out the principles, and apply it. Make sense? That's why context, we use the phrase in in scripture, uh, in interpreting the scriptures, context is king. We got to understand the context. If you were to say, Have you ever seen Star Wars? Well, I know the line, "Luke, Luke, I'm your father. If that's all you know, you don't know what Star Wars is about, aside from that, but I mean, what else do you get? Or like, if you only knew Lord of the Rings, the line, one line, my precious. Like, you're not going to know what the movie's about or the books are about. There's there's so much more context to that story. So that's why we get this information. The last thing, what's the genre and purpose? Obviously, it's a letter, but more specifically, it's what's called a diaspora epistle, a diaspora letter, which, uh, according to Karen H. Jobes, she's a phenomenal New Testament scholar, she wrote that a diaspora letter was written by a recognized spiritual authority who urges a distinctive and holy way of life for those living in a, in a society not conducive to it. So these people, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, Luke's account of, you know, right after the other side of the resurrection, Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit drops. I shouldn't have said drops. He, <laughs> he fills, fills people. And, um, the church starts booming, and then the persecution of a guy named Stephen. Hey, Rowan. Um, that's my daughter, of course. Um, and they, the early church eventually gets persecuted, and that's the way that God basically allows the church to get spread. Why? Because the church wasn't obeying his command to go. And so what happens? Well, they had to get persecuted in order to get them to move. It's kind of like an anthill. We were an anthill in the first few chapters of Acts, and God allowed persecution to come, Because the ants spread, and they finally did what he said in Acts 1-8. Go take the gospel somewhere. And unfortunately, some of the ants got stepped on, and I'm not... Don't take that as a... That's a poor illustration on denouncing God's uh, care for people who actually got hurt. But that's... Anyways. Well, that is the context of the writing. The purpose, as we go into it, is that for Peter both to exhort and console his readers to persist in their faith while facing cultural mockery and social hostility. And this faith is to be rooted in the living hope we now have in Jesus. That hope is living. Why? Because our God is living, right? Jesus didn't stay in the grave. It's living, it's active, it's available to us. Um, Miroslav Wolf, he's a New Testament scholar from... Uh, Yale. He said the new birth is neither a conversion to our authentic inner self, nor is it a migration of the soul into some heavenly realm. But it's a translation of a person here now into the house of God, erected in the midst of the world. He confronts both progressive and conservative theology there. This uh, one, one end being, I just need to become my true self, my best true self. That's what God does for me, and it's about me. Self-actualization, that's psychology, that's all. It's modern psychology. But then he also confronts the popular conservative theological view that heaven is out there, and it's about Jesus died for us to go to heaven and to get out of this place, get out of jail free card. That's not what Jesus said in the Gospels. Jesus came and said the kingdom of heaven is here. It's now. It's coming. It's in your midst. And you're the body of Christ. You're here. And as I fill you with the Holy Spirit, you are becoming, you are, I'm using you to bring the presence of God here and now in your community and in this world. At the end of the age, the kingdom of heaven will not be somewhere else. It will be here. It will be on this new earth. And he's using us. He's inviting us to see what he's doing and to come alongside him, join in, pick up a shovel with him, and join in on the work that he's doing in our communities. Luke Timothy Johnson, another New Testament scholar, said God was forming a new people through Christ and all those who believe, both Jew and Gentile, as God's chosen. Let's start with 1 Peter. So, this will take us a few minutes, but here we go. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with an indescribable glorious joy. If you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, uh, sorry, for, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the suffering destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, us, here and now, in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Therefore prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of a perishable, but of an imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. So rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him. A living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone and precious, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then, who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the very head of the, of the corner. And a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were destined to. But you, Liferidge, You, God's people, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, among your community, so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable good deeds and glorify God when He comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by Him to punish those who do wrong. And to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the president. Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. Jesus committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Wives, in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, do, uh, do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in God's sight. It was in this way long ago that the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by accepting the authority of their husbands. Thus, Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. That's a lowercase l. You have become her daughters as long as you do what is good and never let fears alarm you husbands in the same way show consideration for your wives in your life together paying honor to them as women as the as the weaker sex since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life so that nothing may hinder your prayers finally all of you have unity of the spirit sympathy love for one another a tender heart and a humble mind don't repay evil for evil Or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. <clears throat> but in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. Who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water, And baptism, which this prefigured now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with what? also with the same intention for whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin, so as to live for the rest of your earthly life no longer by human desires but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, caressing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation and so they blaspheme, they mock you, they make fun of you. But they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead, so that though they had been judged in the flesh as everyone is judged, they might live in the spirit as God does. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers above all maintain constant love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins be hospitable to one another without complaining like good stewards of the manifold uh, the manifold grace of God serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, rejoice, insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even a mischief maker, a gossiper, whatever. Yet, if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear this name of Christ. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinners? Therefore, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Now as an elder myself, this is Peter, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, the leadership team among you, to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight of not under compulsion, but, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger, you who are younger, must accept the authority of the elders, the leadership team. And all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. He cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And we know that they are undergoing far worse suffering than we can fathom or will ever face in our lives here in the States. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, I have written this short letter to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Your sister, church in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Josh, do we have a video? We've got a short video. That was a lot. I love that it says it's a short letter. Because I don't know about you, I don't write a lot of letters that long. <laughs> We're going to watch a quick video. And this is, a, this is a video from a team called The Bible Project. And they, uh, have, have we re- watched any Bible Project videos before? We're just going to watch the First Peter 1 if we are able to.
1: The first letter of Peter. His name was Shimon or Simon when he first became a follower of Jesus, and he was part of the inner circle of the 12 disciples. When he made his confession that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Kephas, which is Aramaic for rock, which was later translated into Greek as Petros or Peter. Jesus promised that he would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem through its earliest years, and that's what happened. Remember the early chapters of the book of Acts. Eventually, Peter was called to carry the good news of Jesus beyond the borders of Israel, however, and this letter was written decades into that mission in the wider Roman world. We discover at the conclusion of this letter that Peter is in Rome, which he calls Babylon, and we learn that while Peter commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus who was a co-worker of Peter. This was a circular letter sent to multiple church communities in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is in modern day Turkey. And Peter learned that these mostly non-Jewish Christians were persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and Roman neighbors. And so Peter wrote to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And this helps explain the letter's design and its main themes. It opens with a greeting and then it moves into a poetic song of praise to God, which introduces the key themes that are explored in the main body of the letter, where he first affirms the new family identity of these persecuted Christians, which will help them see their suffering as a way to bear witness to Jesus. And this has a way of focusing their future hopes on the return of Jesus. Let's dive in. You'll just see how all the pieces work together. So Peter opens by greeting these churches as the chosen people of God who are exiled around the world. Now Peter makes clear throughout the letter that these Christians he's writing to are Gentiles. But here he describes them with phrases from the Old Testament that describe how God chose the people of Israel, the family of Abraham, who was himself an exile and wanderer. This is a key strategy that Peter repeats through the whole letter. He wants these suffering non-Jewish Christians to see that through Jesus, they now belong to the family of Abraham. And so they're wandering exiles just like him, misunderstood, they're mistreated, and they're looking for their true home in the promised land. Peter continues this idea in the opening song. He praises God for causing people to be born again into a living hope through Jesus' resurrection and the power of the Spirit. God's inviting all people into a new family centered around Jesus, a family that has a new identity as God's beloved children and who have a new hope of a world reborn by God's love when Jesus returns as King. And for people who have this hope, suffering and persecution is actually a strange gift because it burns away false hopes and distractions like a purifying fire, and it reminds us of our true home and hope. And so paradoxically, life's hardships actually deepen our faith, they make it more genuine. From here, Peter's going to move on into the body of the letter, but he's going to explore all these ideas in greater depth. So he first develops the theme about the new family identity of God's people. He takes even more memorable Old Testament images about the family of Israel, and then he applies them to these Gentile Christians. So, like the Israelites who left Egypt, they too are to gird up their loins and leave behind their former way of life on the way to a new future. So, they are the holy people of God now, who are journeying through the wilderness. They are the people of the new Exodus, who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who is the ultimate Passover lamb. They are the people of the new covenant, who have God's word buried deep inside them, restoring their hearts and renewing their minds. They are the new temple built on the foundation of Jesus himself. And they're the new kingdom of priests who are serving God as his representatives to the nations. Now by applying all of these amazing images to these persecuted Gentile Christians, Peter is placing their suffering within a brand new story. And this leads into the next section. Their persecution can actually help bring clarity to their mission in the world, to bear witness to God's mercy among the nations. So Peter first encourages them to submit to Roman rule even if it's oppressive. Yes, he acknowledges their persecution, their suffering, is unjust. But violent resistance solves nothing, not to mention that it betrays the teachings of Jesus, who loved his enemies instead of killing them. Peter then specifically highlights the very difficult situation that Christian slaves and wives faced when they lived in Roman households where the patriarch did not follow Jesus. The problem was that it was expected that everyone in the household would submit to and worship the patriarch's gods. And so Peter's aware that giving allegiance to Jesus will generate suspicion. So Peter says it's true. All Christians, including Roman wives and slaves, have been fully liberated by Jesus. But they are to demonstrate that freedom, not through rebellion, but by resisting evil the same way Jesus did, through showing love and generosity to your enemies. And in homes where the husband is also a Christian, it's a different story. They are to treat their wives totally different from their Roman neighbors, regarding them as equals before God who are worthy of honor and respect. And Peter's hopeful that this imitation of Jesus' love and upside-down kingdom will give power to their words as they bear witness to God's mercy and show people the beautiful truth about the way of Jesus. But Peter's also a realist. He knows that Christians will continue to be persecuted, and so he reminds them of their future vindication. He recalls how Jesus himself was unfairly persecuted and murdered by corrupt human powers, but in reality he was dying for the sins of his enemies. And afterward, He was vindicated and given resurrection life by the Spirit. And now Jesus is exalted as king over all human and spiritual powers. Then Peter shows how baptism points to the vindication of Jesus' followers. So like Noah, they've been saved through the waters, not as a magic ritual, but as a sacred symbol that shows their change of heart, their desire to be joined to Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And so now, even if they are murdered for following Jesus, their hope is in future vindication and exaltation alongside their king which leads Peter into the final movement. He recalls Jesus' words that his disciples should consider it an honor and joy to be persecuted just like he was. Peter then calls on church leaders to care for these suffering Christians and to show the same kind of servant leadership that Jesus did to his followers. And finally, Peter reminds these Christians about the real enemy that they are facing. This hostility isn't simply cultural or even political. There are dark forces of spiritual evil at work inspiring hatred and violence. And they are to resist this evil by staying faithful to Jesus and his teachings and by anticipating his return and ultimate victory over such evil. Peter concludes with a prayer for divine strength and he sends a greeting from the church in Rome, which he calls Babylon. Now, this is cool. Peter's adopting here the tradition of the Old Testament prophets for whom the name Babylon became an archetype for any and every corrupt nation. And so Rome has become the new Babylon and its empire is where God's people are now exiled from their true home in the renewed creation. Peter's first letter is a powerful reminder of Christian hope in the midst of suffering. God's people have been a misunderstood minority from the very beginning and they should expect to face hostility because they've chosen to live under the rule of a different king, Jesus. However persecution can become a strange gift to the church because it offers a chance to show others the surprising generosity and love of Jesus which is fueled by the hope of his return and that's what First Peter is all about
0: that's very dense um, but that's where we're going it's a big overview consider this uh, day one of class if you will and signing your syllabus type day and uh, next week we start going more into the actual breaking down chunks and talking through the topics. Uh, there's a lot there. There's some stuff that may have stuck out to you. It may have um, made you feel uncomfortable, uh, and that's probably good. Uh, it's good. If, if Scripture doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, if God doesn't uh, challenge you, then you may have made God into your own image rather than God making, remaking you into His image. Uh, and so... But there are some things in there that I don't think are exactly what they mean. And this this clarified some things. But we will dive into Peter. As I wrap up, uh, two of my favorite New Testament scholars, um, N.T. Wright and Michael F. Byrd, they wrote this regarding Peter and what Peter is encouraging the early church for and for us now today. The church, then, is in a new phase of exile somewhere between estranged from and despised by the culture makers yet peter does not call the church to pout plead victimization and weaponize its grievances through political action peter calls on the church to be encouraged to be strong to follow christ's example who didn't seek political action and to resist the pagan culture beyond that the church must demonstrate an attractive way of life Give no cause for retaliation, show respect to those in authority, and when appropriate, bring the faith into expression within existing cultural forms. The mission of the church today then requires the tasks of resistance, apologetics, and contextualization. The God we follow has no earthly, national, allegiance or anthem, the God we follow is most definitely not Republican or Democrat. Both sides have positions and agendas that directly combat the way of Jesus and the ethics of the kingdom, and I would argue they're pretty similar. The God we follow takes no sides even in, in more important conversations like iPhone versus Android or Apple versus PC or uh, Coke versus Pepsi, but if you use an Android or drink Pepsi, you're, you're wrong and I'm praying for you. Um, I, I offer prayer for you after service and all days, I'll fast for you. Um, (laughs) while only five chapters, Peter's letter covers numerous topics, some of which seem outdated or even wrong. And we'll talk about them. We'll ask the questions. We're going to be trying to discern which words are timeless, meaning applicable for all times, all places, all cultures. And we just have to take that and apply it now versus which ones are timely. Meaning they're more specific for a certain time and place like he gave the example for uh, women and slaves in that culture. And so we sometimes have read those passages as those are word for word, right? That's what it says in English and that's what it says. So that's what it means. Uh, but we have to understand, we have to read the other side of the I message. We have to understand who that contact is in their contact list, right? We have to get the context and then we, and we do that work. We dig, we dig, we dig until we get to the heart of what Peter was saying, what God was saying through Peter. And then that's when we take the principle and are able to apply it to our families, our homes, our workplaces, whatever it may be. So that's the work we're going to be doing, uh, and we're going to start that in 1 Peter. Uh, including today, we're going to take seven weeks, so uh, six more weeks after this, to work through Peter. We're aiming to conclude Sunday, November 21st, which is before... Thanksgiving then the Sunday after Thanksgiving perfect timing favorite time of the year Advent begins uh, at the end of November that's November 28th and we'll go through uh, the the passages uh, for the Christian calendar year that year and we'll go through uh, the Advent season but as we wrap up and uh, I'm going to invite the band up they're they're nodding I think that's yes okay yes Uh, sorry still new to this As we wrap up, what's a practice from the way of Jesus that will aid us in the coming weeks as we dig into this letter? The practice uh, this week, uh, it's funny, it's it's just scripture. Read 1 Peter. I encourage you to spend time, sit down again. Uh, So I I have three options for you. I, I encourage you to read the scriptures. One, commit to prayerfully reading the letter at least once a week. Over the next seven weeks, I encourage you to do it. it yeah, well, immerse yourselves in the text. Uh, as the flavors of a tea bag steep the longer it's sitting in that cup of hot water, so will, will Peter, the flavors of Peter, the truths of Peter, will steep in your souls, in your mind, as you let it dwell in you richly. And so, it. You know, some of you might be more green tea people and it's only a two to three minute steep. No, no, no. We're talking like an herbal tea, like a 15 minute steep. We're doing seven weeks. Let Peter dwell in you. Uh, and I encourage you to do this. Again, read it with someone else. At least one other person if you can. It can be on your own, but often a lot of problems with scriptural interpretation come when we read it solely on our own. We're meant to read scripture in community because... God uses us together as the body to interpret and understand scripture. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you, households, maybe read it together. Neighbors, read it together. Uh, those of us who we don't live on our own, we, we ought to seek out those who maybe do live on, on their own and invite them, as, get coffee with them or invite them over, sit on your porch or something, and read the passage together. And then the third thing, I encourage you each week, perhaps try a different translation. This is where a Bible app or a Bible gateway comes in handy. But reading it in different English translations is helpful. It allows us to get basic. I mean, here's the deal. The Bible wasn't written in English. And if any of us are familiar with uh, translating, um, m- my dad being Mexican, and sometimes I'd sit around this table of all my aunts and uncles, and they'd say a joke, they'd speak Spanish, and they'd always try and translate the joke for me. And every now and then it'd be like, it just doesn't translate. Like I can tell you it, but it doesn't. You're not going to think it's funny, and so that's the problem. We're not just translating a different language; we're translating from something nearly two millennia ago, in a dead language—not Greek today, but a dead Koine Greek. It's—it's not—it's—it's it's a derivation, but still. So, help. It's helpful to read a few different English translations. None is perfect, but uh, I, I use the NRSV mainly because it's kind of the. The one that I use it right now in seminary, it's kind of what academics use, the NRSV. But we read from the message earlier this morning. That's a paraphrase. The NLT, the NIV, the CEV, the, the ESV, these are great ones to try out. But I encourage you, trying a different one every week will help. It gives you more, again, more colors, more flavors uh, to get, understand what Peter was saying. And then bonus on the Bible app, you can listen to it. That's what I do on a walk or my car drive. And that's why um, some of us don't retain well reading horrible reading comprehension here I have to listen to it I fail at life at reading comprehension but if I listen to it or if I watch it I'm able to retain a lot more and so you know where you're at and your skills and how God's made you find ways to get into Peter we're going to get into a time of communion the band's up here now I'm not sure how we actually do this do people hold it? Yes, someone comes up and holds communion, or do we put it on a table? Okay, who's coming up and holding it? Are you coming up and holding it? You are? Okay. Well, I'm going to invite Anthony to come up and hold it. We're going to pray for communion. Um, I'm used to doing communion weekly from my church background, so um, I was a little caught off guard. Um, and so as we get into a time of communion and confession and prayer and worship, responsive worship, I want to encourage us in this before you come up to take partake in the Lord's Supper I encourage you to confess your sins to prayer, uh, to to thank God uh, for his grace that he's extended to you in Christ I encourage you if you need to make amends with a brother or sister in Christ make amends before you partake in the meal or if it can't be amended, you know just say, hey, I I know we need to talk but I know it's not going to handle now Um, and then come partake Come take the bread, come take the... Are we a, are we a wine or juice church? Juice, come take the juice, sorry, Reformed. Wait, we're a wine church. Uh, no, you're totally okay. <laughs> you want the wine? Jay wants the wine. Uh, no. <laughs> it was alcohol free, but still. Um, and uh, partake, uh, thank God for his broken body. Thank God for his poured out blood on our behalf. Uh, if you can, do so with your neighbor. Uh, someone around you if, as you feel comfortable uh, do so with families do so with families households invite people in again uh, the the singles uh, and people who live on their own us who are in households uh, it's our joy to include each other so don't let someone do this alone this is a communal thing it is communion communion with our God and with each other and so invite someone to pray, to, to partake communion with you and then um, and then we respond in music um I know you guys need to take it beforehand. So why don't you guys go and get started grab your elements and then I'm going to pray for us. And I believe we have, uh, over there if you guys are uncomfortable grabbing the bread and juice, there's individual uh, bread and juice over there, little crackers package. So, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for bringing our family here, and for uh, LifeRidge becoming our new church family. Uh, We thank you for just the joys of getting to know each other, and and exciting new seasons, and um, funny little, um, obviously we didn't communicate about communion things, but we're family, and there's grace, and so uh, we thank you for that. But more importantly, Father, we thank you for Jesus, we thank you for his broken body, we thank you for his poured out blood. We thank you that he was crushed so that we didn't have to. Uh, we thank you that his blood was poured out, that, that ours didn't have to be. And more than just the physical, we, we thank you for the supernatural, the spiritual uh, atonement that you took on, Jesus, uh, bearing the weight of our sin, but also bearing the weight of our death and conquering our enemy, both our own sin and, and the devil. And, Jesus, that you are victorious. May we rejoice in that. May we sing and shout and and, and find joy and hope and peace and comfort and meaning and identity and flourishing in those truths. Uh, We pray all these things in your name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the LifeBridge podcast. For more information about our church, please visit lifebridgedover.org. There you'll be able to find out more about the church community, our ministries, ways to get involved, recommended resources, and to give. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episodes directly into your podcast feed. While we are glad that you're checking out our podcast feed. We believe that the New Testament teaches that church worship is to be experienced weekly, in person, within your local church community. Thus, we encourage you to either join us in person for Sunday morning worship or to find and commit to a local gospel-centered church community in your neighborhood. Thanks.